Back in 2006, we had this great idea of starting a digital marketing agency, Invesp. We had no idea what our journey would look like and how our company would grow. In a turn of events, as if we weren't busy enough, a couple of years ago, we launched our SaaS company, ThickPi. Two companies run by a husband-wife team and stretched thin. Our life is crazier than ever. Join us every week on Boot Trapped, where we talk about running our two companies, the ups, the downs, and the lessons we learn along the way. And another week, another podcast, Boot Trapped. I ask, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I've had a stressful couple of weeks, I think. Um, number of meetings. Oh, my God. I don't think I've had a day with less than eight meetings in the last two, three weeks. So just it seems like we're always going fast. But now we went into more of a turbo mode, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it, uh, right now. I'm sure you'll have the same number of complaints. How, how about you? How, how has it been the last few weeks? Uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it's been quite stressful, lots of meetings. Um, you know, it just, it, it just seems like my day is completely filled with meetings. I have no time for anything else. Um, and I, I don't really like that because, you know, again, like I think in, in my role, especially at this point in time, I'd like to take time where I can think and strategize and um, figure out ways to grow the business and not be just completely overwhelmed. So I think that's where I, I feel there's a, just a huge struggle with. And the meetings, the problem is also they're super exhausting because it takes a lot of effort and time and, you know, like especially when you're dealing with clients, you know, there's there's a lot of, that has to go into that relationship. So I'm really trying to figure a way to, you know, um, reduce my involvement in those meetings as much as possible. I've done a little bit of that in the sense that sometimes I'm just like, okay, I simply just cannot attend this meeting and you guys will have to run with it. Um, so that's, that's kind of helped. But, you know, at the t- same time, I've also structured the team in a way where they rely very heavily on me and that's not good because, you know, that, that forces my involvement, that forces my, um, like it creates this bottleneck situation where I'm always, if I don't approve something or, you know, I don't respond to something or if I'm not attending something, then there's a bottleneck situation and that just can just be very, very um, difficult to deal with and navigate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because when people come to hire Invest for conversion rate optimization, usually they want to talk to the CRO queen. They're coming here because they know IAT, they know how many experiments you've ran, uh, they know the experience. And there are many instances where I tell them, listen, uh, really, you don't get an experiment unless IAT approves it. Um, you're not involved in the hour to hour. And I'm very clear with, with clients, by the way. I tell them, like, no, listen, IAT is not going to be there in the hour to hour. That just doesn't make sense with the number of clients that we have. However, um, she sees the concepts, she approves the concepts. And you have your C- CROs, your conversion rate optimization, your digital marketing specialists. They're the ones who are going to do the hour to hour. They're going to put out those, those experiments and, and the analysis and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the flip side of that, 
is the amount of work that you have to do in order for us to be able to 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 run things so that that can be that can be taxing also i guess the team has grown um uh, at this point how, how many how many optimization pods and i know i, I like sort of semi hijacking your your update but uh talk to us about about the team and the optimization pods and, and the philosophy there yeah i mean at this point we have uh four pods four pods um and each pod should be able to handle five clients you know um maybe wishful thinking there in some situations uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, the I think the the issue is, of course, like ultimately, yeah, we're trying to train our our um, specialists to kind of handle some of these tasks that I typically handle. But the reality is, they don't have the years of experience that I have. I mean, I've been doing this since some of them were even probably like you know in university, like they're younger, you know, like it it it. it all that those years of experience play a role in what you're providing the client. And that's why I think it is attractive to a lot of clients to know that, you know, again, like there's like some sort of involvement from me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a sustainable model. You can, and I think any model that relies on one person is not a sustainable model. You know, it, it ultimately is not. Um, but, you know, having these pods, the hope is, is that, you know, again, it's like a very much of a concentrated team effort working on the same projects. The team really like meshes and gets to know each other. It's new. We don't know yet the result of how much that's going to have an impact, whether it's going to increase efficiencies and, and uh, you know, quality, or is it going to impact because, you know, maybe pods are as strong as they're, you know, like, or they're impacted by the weakest link. I don't know, you know, again, like, it's one of those things that it's, it's a definitely a, 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 a you know, test. <laughs> like, I don't know if you can call it an A-B test, because, you know, we're just, we just kind of went through with it. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll kind of see if that really alleviates, I'd like to get to the point where I feel a little bit of relief from some of the tasks that I have and be able to kind of be more focused on strategy and growth. Yeah, it's fascinating to me because the whole concept of pods and how we structured them. So a pod is basically you have your specialist, you have your designer, you have your developer. That's kind of the core pod, correct? And then each couple of pods share a project manager and a QA, quality control, quality assurance engineer. The idea is that the pod works together on the same client projects. Uh, they're able to meet together. Uh, they understand the priorities of each other. So they're, in theory, they're able to develop and deliver something better. Uh, how this will work, we don't know. But you know what I love about the concept of pod and the fact that we rolled it out? We're optimizing the business, correct? And then it is an A-B experiment. Uh, we, we've tried the matrixed approach where you have different layers, different teams. You have the specialist, the conversion optimization specialist layer, and then you have the designers and then you have the developers and things were back and forth. And I think the matrix system works when you're only dealing with five, 10 clients. The minute you start growing, you know, you're handling 20, 25, 30 clients. It becomes really difficult. And, and, 
what's fascinating, and I think what makes our job a little bit harder, I remember in the good old consulting days, um, when I was working for a couple of consulting companies, um, it's a unit, correct? So we had the specialists and then we had the developers and the designers, but we only worked on one project. And that's the project that we work on uh, for the next three, four, five months, sometimes two years. Um, so we didn't worry about anything else and we really had a good view. So it will be interesting to see where, where that goes. But so we sort of like, you know, jumped in into the middle of that. So I had, what other updates, what have you been working on in the last seven days? Yeah, I'm just kind of, I, you know, to, I don't want to dwell on the, the point, but I, I will say that this period of time in Invest reminds me of when we were, you know, like in 2011, kind of at our height, we had like 18 clients and just feeling like the stress of that and how overwhelming that experience was. Now, the difference, of course, now is that we have a lot more people to handle some of the load, whereas a lot of that time, a lot of responsibilities were, were on me. Um, so, you know, it is kind of like it just kind of gives me that that, that feeling. But anyways, uh, what else have I been working on? I've been interviewing for an executive assistant. I actually come to the conclusion that I really think I need one because I've been dropping the ball left and right. <laughs> I know that I am. And I think it's it's time that I embrace the fact that I need somebody to help because I just I cannot keep up with all the different responsibilities and things. And I've forgotten appointments. And, um, you know, if I don't get something scheduled immediately, it definitely definitely falls through the cracks. So that's that's been a, a challenge and a, I think a recognition as of late. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me because I didn't recognize how much an executive assistant can impact my work and the quality of my work. Uh, but I brought Anya on now in, in April so she's been with us for two months, and I can tell you, uh, she's organized my schedule tremendously. Um, uh, there are things where I was just like, huh, what did I do here? What did I say? Um, she actually is so efficient that things are getting done without even me having to think about them, which is absolutely amazing. It, it's a bit challenging because I have to trust that she will do things as well as I would have done them myself. Um, and there are times I think that I'm like, well, you know what, I could have probably done this better, but you know what, it's a tax that I pay for getting all this free time back. And in, in all honesty, in like 99% of the time, she's doing things a lot faster than I would have done really as good as I would have done them. So I've been just really lucky. And I know I've been telling you, I'm like, you need to get somebody to just to help you. And of course, um, also, which I'm sure we're going to talk about that, I'm slowly losing my executive assistant. So <laughs> it's like, oh, finally, I'm settled. Nope, not. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if you've lost her entirely just yet, but just kind of another update is um, she actually expressed an interest to uh, Khaled to be involved in some of the projects at a almost like a project management role. So we have her leading a couple of projects to see like, you know, how she can do. 
Um, because just in general, I, I know that if anybody's been following our podcast, which I will say I wanted to make a note of it that I've gotten some really good feedback from some friends on the podcast. So I'm like super, super happy that, you know, like we have some listeners <laughs> that are like excited about the content that we're putting out. But anyways, she has um, she's still able to manage Khaled's responsibilities as of now. Uh, and uh, and also trying to help with the PM because, you know, if you've been following the podcast, you know that that's been kind of like a pain point for us. Um, so we're going to see what happens uh, and then we'll kind of take it from there. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what she – I mean, she just started, so we don't really know uh, yet what her experience has been like, but I'm sure we'll share kind of like an update throughout. Other things that I've been working on, I recognized suddenly that it's mid – uh, June and I have all these conferences lined up. I have one coming up end of June. I have two conferences in July. I have, I think, one in August and two in September. So it's just like there's a lot of travel, and uh, and actually one of the um, conferences in is in London. So it's international travel, and I haven't booked anything. This is exactly why I told you I needed an executive assistant because I'm just like I if I had somebody they would have handled all of this. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's something that just came up, and I'm a little bit working on and fig- figuring it out. And then uh, my be- be- before before you jump, I have to ask, how are the ticket prices? Because oh, gas is killing me. Gas is killing me. Um, yeah, ticket prices are insane. Insane. Um, I was really shocked, actually. I have like a conference in uh, Colorado and then one in Portland. And the Portland conference, like the, the, the flight tickets were really crazy. I thought that, you know, I moved to Chicago because it's like a hub. But I'm kind of – it was funny because one of my uh, itineraries would take me – to stop in Detroit, and that's where I had moved from. And one of really one of the motivations to move here was also the airport. But anyways, um, so that's one. And then Mixed Spaces podcast, I'm really excited about getting that rolling. So uh, last conversation that I had with you know Karen and team is you know we're we're kind of just going to move forward with that, and um, we're very excited about it. And then the last one is, and again, this is probably just me mismanaging my time. You and I had talked about doing a LinkedIn Live. It's going to be focused on e-commerce. And oh, I think I scheduled oh, it. This is you know, me giving like no sound second, effects. The second week where it just gets ignored. Like it's on the it's on our, you know, calendars. I know it's on your calendar. I know it's on my calendar. But we just ignore it. And uh, yeah, I, I think like also it just so happened that we scheduled it right before summer vacation. And our kids were kind of off for that you know, first week and a half, two weeks before like the summer camps began. But now that they're settled in their summer camps, hopefully we can figure out doing this LinkedIn live and uh, and adding a new kind of layer and, and hopefully value to uh, some listeners. Yeah, so Khalid, I have talked a lot and talked about my uh, <laughs> week. What, what have you done? Before I give my update, I just want to talk about our LinkedIn Live that was planned for Monday, for the last two Mondays, and it just didn't happen. It is on our calendar. We've gotten crazy busy. But I think also, and this will be another interesting experiment, um, the topic, because we are going to be talking e-commerce, correct? So every Monday, LinkedIn Live for about an hour. Now, we have the CRO hour, which, by the way, has been 
absolutely successful, uh, very well attended. Um, it started as LinkedIn Life. It's going, and by the time we publish this episode, it's probably going to be it's going to be a podcast as well. So that's something me and, and Simba work on together. Um, but we get a ton of questions every week about CRO. That's what people know us for, correct? Uh, I mean, in all honesty, like you know, the questions had had gotten to the point where. I am not able to even answer all the questions uh, every every Wednesday, uh, every Thursday. Um, and I tell Simba, I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, the CRO live hour was started as half an hour because we didn't have a whole lot to talk about. And then, like, you know, it was between half an hour to 45 minutes. I think the last five or six LinkedIn lives were an hour and 15 minutes. And, and, and I'm skipping some questions. I'm like, I can't do this. But I'm like this. I'm tired of, of, of talking and answering questions. Now with the with our new LinkedIn Live, which will become a podcast as well, I am almost certain, um, is just kind of the initial like okay, so we're e-commerce. We're going to be talking about e-commerce because that's what we, you know, live, breathe is e-commerce. But what are the topics that will be interesting for in, in the e-commerce space? Th- that's I think the thing that has been sort of like on my mind, and I'm like okay, so we're going to record the first LinkedIn Live, and and maybe all we need to do is just do the LinkedIn Live and just have a discussion and just. Let the LinkedIn Live and the podcast take the final shape as it evolves and as we get feedback. I think that's perhaps the best way to to think about this, as opposed to trying to figure out and get it perfect, which is the problem that I always uh, always face. Yeah, but I I mean I hope that our LinkedIn Live will will be able to actually like make the time. Like for it. I know that we've just we've mentioned a lot. I, I mean, and I just think it just it's a matter of like bunkering and doing something. And I love how you and Simba have uh, put that together. And no matter what, I remember like I had even mentioned to you something and you're like, nope, I have a LinkedIn live. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's what you have to do if you're serious about it. Which, by the way, brings me to another question that I was going to ask you. How do you feel? about taking also bootstrapped and turning it into a LinkedIn Live in addition to the podcast. But this way we are committing to a certain time and we are on on LinkedIn as well. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, I actually think it's not a bad idea. Um, I know that you and I also struggle sometimes with recording <laughs> podcast episodes because again, you know, in our mind, it's like, oh, it's recorded and it's like less on our priority list. And honestly, I thought we still had a reservoir of episodes, but it seems like we've run out, um, which really sucks. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm open to, to doing that. And maybe we can experiment with it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that, 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 that will be exciting. So let me give you my update. Like I said, a lot of things going on. Uh, first off, we'll start with the easy stuff. Uh, we are experimenting with a new podcast platform. So we've been on Zencaster since we started recording our podcast, and that was last year. We've invested heavily in video this year, um, and it turns out that there's another platform that might be a little bit better. So we're experimenting with that. So and it's funny we tried Zencaster. We were on. We were doing. LinkedIn Live using LinkedIn, and then we did StreamYard for LinkedIn Live. Um, and then we have a whole complex camera and audio and video setup. 
connecting all of that, trying to record locally, trying to local record on the cloud, uh, just just getting way out of hand. In theory, the new platform that we're going to be using, which is Riverside FM, which is what this episode is getting recorded on, will be better for us. We shall see. So I'm I'm excited because also the cool thing about Riverside FM is that it actually records uh, video, high quality video, so 1080 or even 4000K. Not any, not that anyone want to watch a podcast that's 4000K, but let's see. Um, so that's one update. We've done something exciting, um, and it's an idea that I've had for a while. I've been thinking about it probably since last October, of, and it matches a couple of things. It, ma- it kind of fulfills an internal need that we have, whether it's an Invesp or FigPi. And I also think of it as an opportunity for an additional revenue stream. Not that's really at this point we're, we're even thinking through that, which is uh, we've launched a weekly internal CRO training, a conversion rate optimization training. Uh, so every week, I think it's now every Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 11.30, that's when we do an internal training. Um, and it's open to anybody in the company, anybody wants to join it. There's about 20 people who attend, so it's, <laughs> it's a lot more than I anticipated. And we have developers and we have designers and, of course, our CROs and our project managers. are. And, and the idea there is what are the different topics that we can cover? And my goal is to run through and every week do CRO training for the next 52 weeks. It's a full year program. So my initial thought and where I was worried is like, do we have enough material to cover like, you know, talking and training for, for 52 weeks? Um, I think we do. What, what, what do you, what do you think I Actually, one of my um, big lessons of the week is that how much training and getting like the team involved in this way <clears throat> gets people more engaged and invested. Because um, I've definitely seen some people more than others, uh, just their the impact that these trainings have had on them. And um, whether it's in like kind of like their work or their attitudes or what they say or how they, you know, um, handle certain situations. So that's been a really good outcome and a big kind of like lesson of like, oh, this is great. We should constantly be doing like different activities like this. Um, but yeah, we have a ton of material. Like there's more than we can even, I think, like, you know, handle. Like there's just a lot of of, of details and information and things that people can get trained on to just improve their skills overall. So um, I don't think there's we'll, – we'll have a lack of material that won't be an issue that we'll face. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because the idea is not just you and I just talking, correct? That that will get boring. <laughs> I always tell people, I'm like, I get bored hearing myself talk, although I do a lot of talking, but, you know. Um, Are you sure about that, Kharit? <laughs> you know, uh, you know. Okay, I'm not going to answer that question. I think that was rhetorical. Um, but the idea there is that the CR training needs to have a little bit of theory, a lot of practice. Uh, so if we're talking about where we started, for example, jobs to be done, because that's a core thing that we do. Um, it helps us really figure out, do customer research on any type of website. Um, so you can understand the theory behind jobs to be done, but then you want to practice, like, well, how's the intro? What kind of questions? How do I do the follow-up? How? And we spent three weeks just going through that, and I'm... As I, as I look at it, I'm like, oh, we probably need about three more weeks to really get it to the point where people 
are very comfortable. I don't want to just tell them about jobs to be done and have a theoretical, but after they go through that training, they need to be very comfortable conducting interviews, running jobs to be, uh, be done training interviews. Uh, so three weeks of that. Yesterday, we switched to something completely different um, because I felt that, hey, I don't want to get people bored. And we started talking about account management because, again, if you're working for an agency, you want to know how to manage the accounts. How do you deal with different people? Um, how do you make sure that the clients who are who you're working with are going to be there for a long time and there is no, no churn? So it's just been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I got some positive feedback from from different team members. It seems that they like it. Um, it's, it's been encouraging to to see that. Um, another update uh, from my side. So FigPi, uh, our MRR is close to $10,000 a month. And it's been, all honesty, it's been like, you know, sort of like up and down, up and down, but stuck around there. Um, you suggested a new business model, and we've noticed this for a while. We have companies that come to us and they say, hey, Great, love the A-B testing, the heat maps, the session recording, the, the, the polling that you do, the on-site polling. But we don't have the resources to conduct all this work or to do the analysis. Can you help us? And, I, and I've always said, well, that's why you hire Invest or you hire another CRO agency. We have a few CRO agencies that we refer people to. Um, but then sometimes people say, you know what? No, I'd like to, I don't want to, I'm not ready to hire the agency. Um I just want a few hours customer success team from FigPi to answer those questions. And we've been doing that. We've been doing it for the last year. And I'm like, hmm, well, this is interesting. And then you're like, why, why don't we monetize that? If we have all these companies, let's try and monetize it. So it's, it's been fascinating because uh, it makes the monthly subscription value a lot higher uh, than your, your typical subscription value. Um, and you want to we don't want to become a consulting company, but I know... Um, one of our competitors outside the U.S., Insider, um, built a business model based on that. So it will be interesting to see how we how that how we can make that work. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think also there's a certain quality and an integrity to the service that Invesp offers, and and the reality is, look, look, it's a certain si company size that we service and a certain type of business that we service. Uh, it's not any company that comes, but there are a lot of companies that don't fit that profile that are great. And I know that you've, Khaled said, hey, we should expand investor services, but I always felt very strong about keeping, you know, our services, you know, to just that niche that we're, we're um, currently servicing. And then beyond that, they should be really deferred to something else. And why not FigPi? Because it just seems like it, it just goes so much hand in hand. Um, but I just think it's it'll be interesting to see how you guys market that service because again I do believe there's a lot of value in it but it's always about how you market things right and how you package it. Yeah, and where, where this is fascinating is we already have a ton of demand for whether Invespa or FigPi, but we've always thought, oh well, Invesp is for e-commerce, large e-commerce, you need to be making a certain amount of money and generating a certain number of orders in order for Investability to come in and give you that magic. FigPi is smaller, you know, so you need to be smaller. And and we left a good chunk of the markets, you know, about 30, 40, 50% of the market there where we're like, oh, we can't really help you. So now FigPi can fulfill that. And it'll be fascinating. Um, we're going to be experimenting with that. I, I think the goal is to add about 
three to five new customers for FigPi on this new business model and see how that goes. Um, and then experiment again. It's, yeah, it's up, uh, working on the business, business, optimizing it a little bit, trying to figure uh, figure new ways to generate more revenue. Um, another update all around staff, by the way, uh, which is which is fascinating. Um, we have a new head of marketing, so Simba, uh, or Simbar, Simba. You know, I always tell him, I'm like, is it Simbar? Simba is actually like you know. So I, I call him Simba. He's like Khalid. The day I interviewed him, he's like Simba, and now he's adding the R, and I'm like, dude, decide. So he's like both work. Um, he's been with us for three and a half years. Absolutely love the guy. And I've seen him grow from like, you know, I, I still remember the first day I interviewed him. Comes from a newspaper background, doesn't have any digital marketing, but he's a good writer, hired him. And I've seen him grow over the years. And he's been playing the role of managing the marketing team and the head of marketing role. Um, and I've been searching for a head of marketing for investment tech pie. Um, I'm like, okay, who's that right person? I interview people. I just, you, it's funny because that's such a critical role for us. And the person needs to have a certain level of knowledge. And at the same time, they need to understand how we work. And they need to have the ability to be able to say, you know what, here's how things should be done. So there's kind of a mix of things, requirements that we've had. And Simba was there. And um, it just made sense to say, you know what, Simba, you want it jump at it, do your magic. But guess what? That gave me so much more free time because I used to meet, oh my God, those marketing meetings uh, as the team grew, they became harder and harder hours every day and then one-on-ones. And now um, now I just meet with Simba twice a week to get updates and have discussions. And I still do meetings by the way with, with the team, but not on a weekly basis. So 15 minutes check-in, I always tell them like, oh, those 15, 20 minutes are your time. You talk to me about anything you want. I'm there just to support you. And it's interesting because some people want to give me updates about what they're doing. Other people um, come, you know, yesterday I was talking to somebody. He's like, oh, I'm really struggling with writer's block. Another person said, you know, I have the uh, uh, imposter syndrome. How do you deal with that? So different people come with different problems. And it's kind of, I feel I am actually coaching them as opposed to, oh, what are you working on? Here's the task. Here's because anyways, doing that is more for project management. Um, so that was that's fascinating. Um, and then finally, finally, we have a new major feature release uh, in FigPi. So we've always had the session recorder. And what most people don't know is there there are a ton of session recorder software out there. Um, I think Crazy Egg was the first one. Hotjar. Oh gosh, I forgot even all the different names. They slow down the website. That's what most people don't know. Um, that's a huge problem. If you're running any type of A-B testing and you run session recorder, it will impact your results. So we've we've known this problem forever at FigPi. We've looked at it. We've looked at all the different solutions. And none of them has a really good solution for this. So we've been working on a solution. The team worked on it for almost six months. It's super like lightweight feature of the session recorder that we just rolled out. We're gradually rolling it out to different customers and monitoring the results and the load time and the impact on performance. It's been fascinating to look at that, and I'm just super excited about it. Um, and I think that will go well with the new website copy and design and the new position that that uh, FigPi is gonna is gonna take on in the next few weeks. So with that, I had any big lessons from last week. 
Yeah, uh, big lessons for me were, like I said, the training. I thought, I think, you know, again, like doing something like that where it's very collaborative, it's outside of like what you typically do for work, uh, and you're getting kind of the different team members involved. I really do think it's a morale booster as well as a kind of community builder, you know, activity. So there's lots of benefits. Not only are you training them, but you're getting a lot of other side benefits. So I would recommend, you know, in whatever organization that, you know, those types of activities happen. This is, we're doing it now on a weekly basis. It's always like a set time. Uh, big lesson is I can't do it all. You know, I know that and I recognize that and I've, it's been a hard uh, reality to embrace, you know, like I like to just do things on my own, but I just, I'm getting to the point where I just feel like I, I just simply can't. Um, and then I think the last one is, uh, yeah, like I think this is a big lesson of the fact that we missed out on our, um, e-commerce LinkedIn live session is that, look, if you set something, you should do it. Everything else can wait. <laughs> like, I think we always live in this situation where, again, like we're trying to overplease and we're trying to, you know, put out the fires and whatever. But like things like will it'll be fine, you know, just relax and be patient and let, you know, kind of uh, let us make sure that whatever you do uh, schedule that you pull through, you go through with it. You don't delay it. Um, so that's kind of a lesson learned takeaway for the week. How about yourself? Um. I've, I'm a big believer in delegating, by the way. Um, but finding that right balance of delegating a task to somebody and giving them the freedom to do things their way versus making sure that the task is done to a very satisfactory level. And by very satisfactory level, level that I'm satisfied with is, is a tough one. Correct. Um, but if I want to get things done uh, at the level that I am very satisfied with, I probably should do them myself. Um, and different people bring different skill sets and you, you have to trust that they will grow. They will make mistakes, by the way, in the process. Things are not going to be a hundred percent perfect. Uh, but you got to trust them. You got to guide them. Um, and I think that's what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, let me guide you. Okay, like you messed up over here. Let's have a conversation. I've had those conversations with team members. Um, and, and sometimes like, sometimes it's tough because I see something and I'm like, oh man, no, why? Why is this? This is embarrassing. Um, but the reality of it, I might be the only person who notices those mistakes and how they're not, not perfect. Um, understanding like you know kind of that balance because you want to give people the freedom and sometimes when you guide people sometimes they feel that they're being micromanaged correct and i was told i'm like what you might feel as a micromanagement it's me making sure that things are done correctly but i do want to give you that that space um so that balance is is a little little tough um and i'm working on it i i have to trust the team members and i think the feedback that I'm getting from them is that they're they're happier with with the guiding and the coaching that I'm that I'm giving them. So we will see. Um, uh, it, it's not it is not easy, but it's also fascinating to see how people are able to grow as you give them uh, that room to breathe. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. 
Um, let's finish with this ayat's big plans for next week. I just want to add to your point is that definitely I've always hated micromanaging. In general, I just don't even like to manage a lot of people. Like I, I, I just, you know, you don't like that friction necessarily. And sometimes with management, you do have to be a little bit confrontational and that's not really fun. Uh, but I do find that some mistakes are, like you said, they're not the end of the world, but some are more forg- forgivable than others. Like there are some where it's just like when it's client facing and you do something like that's, that's a, it's, it's heavier and, and it forces almost like, almost like a micromanagement situation. Uh, and actually I will say that I don't know that I have a good contingency plan for that situation when um, we do have like a team member, for example, that does make, you know, like an error like that. What's the plan for recovery? Um, so that there's not always that like constant scrutiny because like like you said, mistakes happen, but you just have to make sure you do have a good plan in place so that they can recover and grow and get out of that situation where they're not being any more scrutinized. But anyway, side note, um, probably like a really good uh, follow-up conversation that we should have. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but since you, you've took us there, so I might as well. Knowing when a task needs to be perfect versus when a task needs to be needs to be good enough correct that that finding that right balance um it's a tough one and it might change from one place to 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 the next there are certain things that are like you know internal i'm like okay good enough is fine let's just move on um and then there are certain things that i'm like oh yeah this client facing or external world facing um but 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 it's funny because I've been stuck for the last few weeks. I didn't mention this as an update, but kind of reviewing some of our bookkeeping and accounting for the last 10, 12 years. Oh my God, horrible, horrible. And of course, I've ignored it for so long. I mean, the reports are there, accountant generates them, but I never really looked and dug deep into them. And now I'm digging deep into them and I'm like, oh, there's a problem here. We have to get this perfect. Well, dude, and, and this is what I was telling myself. I'm like, so you've had this, like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, this small, tiny detail that no one else would notice for the last five years. And now it became an issue for you. And you asked for a meeting with the accountant. Um, I had to have that conversation with myself. I'm like, just let it go, Khalid. And, and it's sometimes very difficult for me, by the way, because um, it's funny. I'll give you an example. So we have $1,000 recorded. Two companies paid, like, you know, one paid on the beginning of the month, one in the mid of the month. And somehow each paid, like as an example, $1,000. But when we recorded them in our books, we recorded them reversibly. Now, this happened five years ago. It doesn't matter. They both paid. Just the accounting shows that it's flipped. But I'm like, you know, I, I become uh, like obsessed with something. I'm like, no, no. And then I'm like, oh, no one cares. The balance is zero for both companies. Move on. Um, so again, yeah. Um, and I was like, this is good enough. Let's just let's just move on. But sorry, see, so you, you took us there. Um, plans for next week? It's my fault. I just loves. He doesn't like to talk. He doesn't like to hear himself talk at all. All right. So plans for next week? <laughs> uh, definitely, I have to book my travels and uh, hotel stays, and also put together my decks. So lots of lots of work focused on conferences. Um, I'm going to figure out this executive assistant role. Like, again, do I hire somebody? Do I really need them? Again, like I told you, I feel like I do. But 
for me also, it's not about just putting somebody uh, like and, and adding them to my team. I need to actually be able to justify the work that they're doing and make sure that there actually is enough work for them to do. And then I, there are a couple of other roles that invest that are pending that we're finalizing. Um, I'm just really excited about closing that chapter, but I know it never closes. I know there's going to be more, but I'm just not going to think about that right now. Khaled, what are your plans for next week? Uh, I guess our podcast is going to be going live. Uh, this podcast is going to be on LinkedIn Live, so that's exciting and all the setup around that. Um, so that's one. <laughs> there you go. We made the decision at the beginning of this episode and I right away included it in my next week tasks. Um, FigPi, uh, the FigPi app on the Shopify store has been live for a while. Uh, I think we've gotten close to 20 reviews, um, people using it, installing it, loving it, leaving five-star reviews, one, a couple of four-star. Um, so it's been fascinating. It's time to launch an ad campaign on the Shopify platform. Uh, and let's see how that goes. So all the setup that goes around that, there's a couple of other campaigns for Google ads. I just worry about Google ads. I feel like and I take a whole bunch of money and I give it to Google as a donation to support Google, not that they need our money. So I'm just debating that. I think Shopify sounds a bit more a bit more interesting to me, but we shall see. And uh, I think that's a wrap. Uh, this is Kala Saleh. Until next week. And I, Asha Kerry. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from Bootstrapped. If you learned something new from this podcast or got some useful insights, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Until next time.